Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Just a few short hours before Jesus was arrested and later crucified, he was here in an upper room. He was sharing a meal and his parting words with his closest friends. You know, last words are important words. They're weighty words. So you can imagine that his disciples were holding on to every single one of them. And as they sat around the table, Jesus begins to break the bad news that, that his time had come that he was gonna have to leave them to fulfill his purpose, this purpose to bring salvation and eternal life someday and abundant life every day to all humanity. And even though this is good news for us, for the disciples, they could not imagine anything worse. See, Jesus wasn't just their savior, he was their closest friend. Remember, these guys had been following Jesus day and night over the last three years. They had a front row seat to miraculous physical healing, but that only paled in comparison to the healing that Jesus brought to people's hearts and lives. And now he was leaving them to carry on his mission. You know, Jesus senses their grief and he wants them to know that even though this seemed like the end, his absence did not mean abandonment. In John 14 too, he tells them that he is sending an advocate who will never leave them. He is the Holy Spirit and you will know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. He goes on to say in verse 27 that I'm leaving you with this gift, peace of mind and heart. And the, the peace that I give is this gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And then he tells them something that would seem impossible. He says that it's actually better if he leaves them because this gift would empower them to do more than Jesus himself had done in the last three years of ministry. So then for the, for the 40 days after he was crucified and rose from the grave, he appeared again to the disciples. And from time to time, he would give them instruction. He told them in Acts chapter one, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but, but wait for this gift that my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. So it actually makes perfect sense that they would come back here to this upper room, to the very place that they were the night that Jesus promised this gift. So 120 of Jesus' followers, they gathered here. But why did they have to wait? I mean, think about it. These disciples had just spent three years in a one-on-one -on -one intensive mentorship program with Jesus, God himself. He trained them, he corrected them, then he gives them an assignment to tell others about him. What else could they possibly need? If there was ever a group of people that would have been ready to take on the world, these would be those people. But Jesus said, just wait. I have more for you. So they waited and they prayed and they worshiped and they waited some more. And then suddenly there was this sound like a rushing mighty wind. And, and then there were these tongues of, of fire and everyone in the room was filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the living God, the spirit that would not 
could not be contained in a room or by a few followers immediately. Those that were, that were filled, that were waiting, were now deployed to carry God's presence and power to a world, a world that was longing for this hope but did not even know what they were looking for. Then Peter preached, and 120 became 3,000 as he declared these words from Acts chapter 2. He said that, that in these last days, and this day, the day of Pentecost, was the first day of the last day because it marked the first day of the church. He said, in these days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters are gonna prophesy. Your young men, they're gonna see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In these days, I will pour out my spirit. Even on my servants, men and women alike, they will prophesy. Think about it, the Holy Spirit poured out on all people so that no longer could this supernatural power be contained to a select people. Now God's presence, it would be available and accessible for all people. And as the power of the Holy Spirit was unleashed on God's people, it literally turned the world upside down. Enemies and strangers would now become spiritual family when they were united by this Holy Spirit. The sick would be healed when touched by people that were filled with the Spirit. See, this book of the Bible that, that we're reading from is, is actually called the Acts of the Apostles. However, it could be more accurately be entitled the Acts and Activities of the Holy Spirit. See, what would happen in these early days of the church following this day of Pentecost? It was earth-shaking, culture-altering, and world-changing as these followers were empowered to do the very same things that Jesus did when he was here on the earth. What started in the upper room, it not only describes a moment in church history, it also prescribes the church of the future. It's actually a written prescription for the church that would still exist long after the disciples passed. It's a prescription for us. It, it paints a picture of what a spirit-filled, courageous church is supposed to look like and act like. See, what was true over 2,000 years ago is still true today. One encounter with the Holy Spirit has the power to change everything. Man, that's absolutely true. The Holy Spirit changes everything. And as we continue to study in the book of Acts, it's actually easier and easier to see that this is not just a story about the apostles like Peter and John and Paul, but actually as we read the pages of this book, we see that this book is primarily a book about the acts and activity of the Holy Spirit specifically through the believers in the early church, I think you could absolutely argue that the principal player in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. He is the main character in this story. In fact, we read the phrase Holy Spirit 56 times in the book of Acts alone, more than any other book of the Bible. This book is about the acts and activity of the Holy Spirit. Now that's important for a lot of reasons, but one, because we talk a lot about God the Father, as, as we should. <laughs> we talk a lot about God the Son, who's pretty important. But we sometimes don't talk often enough about God the Holy Spirit. In, in fact, some teachers have gone so far as to label the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. 
because we don't talk about the acts and activity of the Holy Spirit enough. The truth is that we, as Christians, we worship one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. That is what we believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit is not a something. It's a someone. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, even as I say that, like it might be a little bit uncomfortable for some people because again, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. Some of you know a little bit of my story, but I, I really didn't grow up around the things of God. I, I went to Catholic church every once in a while. So, so I was raised Catholic. I got saved in a Methodist church. I went to a Baptist university. I didn't even hear the Holy Spirit till I was 21, you know? like. We, we, we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit, but it is so important. And as you work through the books of Act, book of Acts, you see the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, what Pastor Julie talked about, Acts chapter two, this is the moment, right, at Pentecost in which the apostles, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and then empowered by the Holy Spirit, they go out into the streets and they preach the gospel of Jesus in languages that they have not learned. People repent of their sins, they're saved and baptized, right? 3,000 are added to their number and we read about that and we should, it's amazing, but Pentecost is not the only time that the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is on display person by person, chapter by chapter. In fact, in the very next chapter, Acts chapter three, we read a story about Peter and John. And Peter and John are on the way to the temple when they encounter a man who the Bible says was lame from birth, right? They, they meet him at a gate because every single day people would lay him there so that he could beg for food and he could beg for money. And then Peter, just filled with the Holy Spirit, looks at this man and he says like, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And guess what? He does. Like, I, I don't know the physics of the thing, you know? Like, I don't know if God grew muscles where there weren't muscles before. I don't know if he like straightened out his leg. I don't know, but here's what I know. Like moments ago, this man had never stood on two legs before. But because he encountered some believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit, he got healed. So much so, the Bible says that he begins walking, jumping, dancing, praising God, and everybody is looking at this man like, what just happened? Because they, they were familiar with him. They would have seen him at the same gate every single day. But today was different because today he met some believers empowered by the Holy Spirit, and because of those believers, he was healed. You, you continue reading in the book of Acts and you will see chapter by chapter, person by person, the Holy Spirit on display. In fact, in Acts chapter four, the very next chapter, Peter gets up and he preaches to the Sanhedrin, which is like the ruling authority of the day, right? The supreme religious authority. And so Peter preaches to them and he does so with such anointing and boldness and clarity that they actually say this about him. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus, right? Why? Because they weren't trained, they weren't academics, they weren't scholars, they were ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit shows up in this moment, they are they're amazed by their courage and take note that these men had been with Jesus. 
Acts chapter five, the very next chapter, the apostles performed many signs and miracles amongst the people, signs and miracles and wonders. So much so that people, they all believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They repent of their sins, they're saved and added to their number, right? So they're experiencing the miraculous. And I love what the Bible says in Acts chapter five, verse 15, it says this. It says, as a result, don't miss this, People brought their sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. The the wonder-working power of God is so on display through these men that people aren't even bringing their sick to be prayed for. They're bringing their sick into the streets just hoping that the shadow of these men might fall on them. Let me me just go ahead and lay my cards out on the table right now. I don't believe the Holy Spirit moves differently today than he did back then. I'm just gonna tell you from the very onset, I think that the same things that these believers experience through the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, those things are available to us today. And one of the things that we see is that the Holy Spirit, his power at work in and through them is so normal. Like it's not weird at all. They're not like, every single day they are having these powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit and God is on display in their midst. So much so that these people, they just, they just bring their sick out into the streets hoping that when somebody passes by, they might get healed. But I love that the leadership of the Holy Spirit is not just like signs and wonders. That's not actually the point. But the leadership of the Holy Spirit is practical too. Like in Acts chapter six, we read about how the apostles, they need to designate leaders to take care of issues that are arising in the early church. Now, you'll understand this. Imagine taking people from totally different backgrounds, totally different faith perspectives, totally different ethnicities, put them all under the banner of Jesus and say, okay, get along now. There's, there's some tension that exists in the early church that needs to be dealt with. And so they're trying to care for people as best they can. And so here's what they say. This is the practical leadership of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter six. Here's their instructions. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. Now, just a couple of things. One, please notice that filled with the spirit is like the qualification for leadership. They have to be men who are filled with the Spirit. But I also want you to understand that the people that they're, not talk, that they're talking about, these are not like the apostles and the disciples. No, these are just, these are people in the church. They're saying, take people from the church who are full of the Holy Spirit, put them in charge. And so in this moment, they look for qualified leaders. The text continues, verse five, it says this. This proposal pleased the whole group. Makes sense, right? Like, yeah, fine, people are full of the Holy Spirit. Sounds good. They, they chose Stephen, who was a man who was full of faith and full of what? The Holy Spirit. Find Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Even a few verses later, it says of the same man, it says, now Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power and performed many great wonders and signs among the people. I just need you to see, it is obvious that the power of God is on display through these early believers. They are experiencing things that are very normal for them, but somehow now seem supernatural to us. 
but because they're learning to be filled with the Spirit and walk in step with the Spirit, because they're learning about who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in their lives, they are able to see some miraculous things. And literally, I could go chapter by chapter, person by person, I won't, but let me just give you an idea of some of the things that we learn about the Holy Spirit just from the book of Acts. Just from the book of Acts, we learn that the Holy Spirit speaks specific messages to specific people for specific times, that the Holy Spirit actually gives them exact words. He speaks to them. We also see that the Holy Spirit directs believers to a particular place, that he like sends them to a particular place for a moment, that he orchestrates the details of their lives, sends them to a place, he, he directs them, he guides them. The Holy Spirit, we see in the book of Acts, gives wisdom. How many of you need wisdom? you can ask for it because the Holy Spirit gives wisdom to people even just in the book of Acts. We also see that the Holy Spirit brings joy because when people, people who are full of the Holy Spirit show up, they begin to experience joy. The Holy Spirit brings joy. We also see that the Holy Spirit confirms the gospel message through signs and wonders. Now, one of the things that we learn clearly about the Holy Spirit in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. That's his role, it always points to Jesus. And so the signs and wonders are not just for the sake of signs and wonders, they are to confirm the message of the gospel, the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus. We also learn that the Holy Spirit helps people make decisions. How many of you would like some help? in your decision-making ability, right? Like all the parents said, amen. This is like a thousand times a day where I'm about to lose it and I don't know what to do. I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me, right? But in the book of Acts, we actually see that the Holy Spirit helps people make decisions. In fact, I love the way that it says it in Acts chapter 15, there's like kind of a disagreement, they're deciding what to do. And, and so finally they decide and they're like, go tell them the news. And they're like, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. So here it is. Like, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. How, how is it? The Holy Spirit actually helped them to make decisions. So now when you don't know what to do and, and you actually seek the Lord and you have the Spirit of God in your life, you can go, yeah, seems good to me and to the Holy Spirit because he wants to help you make decisions. The Holy Spirit gives visions. The Holy Spirit gives dreams. We see in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit enables people to speak in tongues. We see in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit empowers people to prophesy, to speak of things of God that have not yet come true, but will come true. And we see in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit empowers people to preach the gospel of Jesus with anointing and boldness and clarity. We see throughout the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of people who follow Jesus. In fact, I would say it this way, one of the things that we see in the book of Acts is that the earliest followers of Jesus were completely dependent upon the acts of the Holy Spirit. The earliest followers of Jesus were completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Like every moment of every day, in some cases they're like, I don't even know what we're gonna eat. Like they are completely dependent on the leadership, the guidance, the authority, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And what I would argue today is this, we too are completely dependent upon the acts of the Holy Spirit. You and I are dependent or need to be dependent on the acts of the Holy Spirit. 
to guide and to shape and to instruct and to comfort and to give peace and to point to truth. The the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life and at work in your life in these same ways and more. We, we need to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit just to get through the day. Like, I don't even know how I'm gonna make it through today without the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. But because we see in the book of Acts that that's, that's kind of the posture of their lives. They're dependent on God's Spirit. And we too are completely dependent on the acts of the Holy Spirit. We also see that the earliest followers of Jesus were continuously filled with the Holy Spirit continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Like time and time again, they are filled with the Holy Spirit because the moment of Pentecost is not the only time that the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts. But these believers, these apostles, these disciples, they are continuously filled, over and over filled with the Holy Spirit. And we too should be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. There is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you can experience in your life if we want it, if we ask for it, if we look, the Holy Spirit wants to do more in your life. And it's not necessarily that you would have more of the Spirit, but that the Spirit could have more of you. What we see in the book of Acts is these believers, they're continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And and I don't know about you, but like if God has more for me, I want it. It, Like if there's any more of the Holy Spirit that I could possibly get, I want it, right? Like I want to experience the fullness of God. I want to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And if we're going to do that, we need to understand a couple other passages of scripture from the book of Acts. Because here's what it says in Acts chapter eight. I I wanna just look at two passages of scripture together for our next few minutes. And and I believe that while many of us have read the book of Acts before, that these could be passages of scripture that if we're not careful, we've actually missed. Here's what Acts chapter eight says. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there That what? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I think if we've read the book of Acts, if we're not careful, this could have been something that that we missed. Because what I want you to notice is that these apostles, uh, upon hearing that the believers in Samaria have given their hearts to Christ, they want to make sure first and foremost that they also receive the Holy Spirit. Like as soon as they hear that these people have become believers in Jesus, their first instinct is to go to them and say, yeah, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? That there is a difference here between those two things. They actually travel to Samaria for the express purpose of making sure that these believers have received the full measure of the Holy Spirit so that they can live the lives that God has called them to. Another passage of scripture, Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, right? That's, that, that was me at 21. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told, the people, he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. Upon hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And while Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, I want you to just notice a few things in this passage of scripture. First of all, notice that they already believe. These, these people have repented of their sins. They have turned to Jesus. They've been baptized in repentance. These disciples already believe, meaning they are clearly followers of Jesus, okay? Now notice Paul's question to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So Paul doesn't seem to have any doubt in his mind that it's possible to have a saving faith in Jesus, but not yet have experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is an important distinction. At least for this apostle, he has in his mind that it's, it's, these two things are possible. You can have experienced salvation through Jesus and not yet receive the full measure of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about the answer to their question. They're like, we haven't even heard of that. So someone told them enough about Jesus that they might be saved, but they haven't yet heard about the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if sometimes that can be true of us or that it can be true in the church that, that somebody told us enough about Jesus that we might be saved, but maybe we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit the way the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life and work in your life, the way the Holy Spirit equips you and empowers you and fills you. Maybe we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. And what I would say to you, brothers and sisters, is that we don't want you to be unaware. We want you to experience the fullness of God's Spirit. Now, let me be clear. At the moment you place your faith in Jesus, the Bible says the same Spirit or power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and at work in you. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, but at least according to scripture, there is a full measure of the Holy Spirit that sometimes has not yet been released in the lives of believers. And so it's possible for us not just to be saved, but to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I might even argue that one of the greatest victories the enemy can have in your life after you have given your life to Christ is to keep you from experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you'll try to do all the things of God without the power of God. But God wants to give you the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in his ways and experience every single thing that he has for you. The, the title of our study through the book of Acts, it comes from Acts chapter 17, verse six, where the earliest followers of Jesus almost insultingly are accused of turning the world upside down. People are like, oh, these are those people who just, they go from place to place and turn the world upside down. You know, they're disrupting the institution. This is not, and, and they're insultingly labeled those who turn the world upside down. I actually think that's a beautiful title. 
And, and I don't know about you, but I absolutely believe that our world could be used, could, could use some turning upside down. Can I get an amen in Jesus' name? In fact, of these believers who go from place to place turning the world upside down, they say this about them. They say they don't even obey Caesar. They claim there's another king named Jesus. And what I need you to see is that these, these believers, these followers of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they live lives that are so different than, so other than, so backwards from the ways of the world that they are literally changing everything around them. And I just believe, like I'm crazy enough to believe that God wants to do the same thing through you and me. That if we, as followers of Jesus, would be filled with the measure of God's spirit, that we could live lives that are so different, so backward, so other than the world, that people would look at us and accuse us of the very same thing. That we could be those who turn the world upside down. But, but here's the truth. If we're gonna turn the world upside down, we need to be desperate for the Holy Spirit. Like desperate, hungry for the Holy Spirit of God. We, we need that. If we ever wanna make a difference in the world around us, we have to be desperate for the Holy Spirit. And so what we wanna do for the next few moments is we wanna pray. And, and two things. One, I wanna pray for you that if you want it, every single one of us would experience the fullness of God's Holy Spirit, that we would experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right here, right now, today in our lives. And here's what I believe with all of my heart. The Spirit of God is stirring around our world in such a significant way that we're gonna look back on this moment and read about it in history books. I'm not... I'm not praying for a great awakening, uh, excuse me. I am praying for a great awakening, but I think we're already in one. I'm not one who's quick to use the word like visions and dreams. I'm gonna be real honest with you, okay? Because I'm, I'm still working on being comfortable with all this stuff. So I'm not quick to use some of those words. I, I absolutely believe a couple of weeks ago, the Lord gave me a vision. And, and the vision that I had was this, like uh, we're in South Florida, right? So you stand, stand at the beach. You ever been at the edge of the ocean when all the water gets sucked back into the ocean? It almost seems like a retreat, right? Like everything is being taken away. And, and I've just felt the spirit of God speak to me like that's what it's been like in our nation the last couple of years. Everything getting just sucked back. Feels like it's been taken away. Feels like it's been robbed. But guess what? You know, when that water retreats, when that water recedes, what's happening? There's a wave coming. There's a wave coming. Can I just tell you, there is a wave coming. The tide is rising. The Spirit of God is stirring something significant in His church today. The tide is rising. The wave is coming. The Spirit of God is doing something significant in His church today. And I don't know about you, but I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to be desperate for the Holy Spirit because I'm desperate to be a part of the work that God is doing in the world. So we're gonna pray two prayers. One is this. One, you can't receive the Holy Spirit unless you've given your heart to Christ. If you don't have a personal relationship with God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, don't ask for the Holy Spirit. You can't receive it until you have a relationship with Jesus. So first of all, we're gonna pray for anyone who might be here today at any one of our locations or online and you have not given your heart to Christ because until you have that relationship, you cannot experience the spirit of God in your life. So we're gonna pray that prayer. But the second prayer that we're gonna pray is for anyone who wants the fullness of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're gonna pray that prayer. 
So the first prayer I wanna pray today is for anybody, you don't yet have a relationship with God through the sacrifice of his son Jesus, but you want that today. God loves you, he came to this earth, he died for you, laid down his life on a cross for you so that you can inherit eternal life and forgiveness for your sins. If you've never experienced that relationship, right now we're all gonna pray a prayer and you're gonna pray it just a little bit louder than everybody else. In fact, if you would say today, I want a relationship with God through Jesus all across this room and wherever you're watching, I want you to put your hand in the air. Just say, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. I want it right now. I want everything that God has for me. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. All right. We're all going to pray this prayer. Keep your hands up. You're going to pray it just a little bit louder than everybody else. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new again. And for the rest of my days, as best as I know how, I will live to honor you. Now, in that moment, when you pray that prayer, the old is gone and the new has come. You're adopted into the family of God forever. You are saved because you have repented of your sins and you have turned to Christ for salvation. But for everybody else in the room, if you are a believer in Jesus and you want everything that God has for you, you wanna be filled today with the Holy Spirit, we're gonna pray a prayer that I hope will be a model of a prayer that you'll pray every single day because we need to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. But if that's you and you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit today, I would invite you wherever you are, just stand up. Stand to your feet. I'm gonna lead us in a moment of prayer. You're just going, I want it. If I, if you, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the fullness of God. I want to experience that. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be unaware, but the Holy Spirit wants to fill your life today. And so I want you to just lift your hands to the air or put your palms to the sky, whatever you wanna do, just a, spot, a posture of receiving, right? That we're gonna receive from heaven all that God has for us today. And then right where you are, just begin to pray your own prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill you. Ask God to send his Holy Spirit upon you that it would fill every area of your life. Just ask in your own words, just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now that each and every one of us would experience an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, God, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. And, and I just want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me yield to your Holy Spirit. Guide me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna do in and through this moment and in and through our lives. God, I thank you that when we filled, empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit, God, we can be among those who turn the world upside down. Church, what we wanna do today is we wanna continue in this posture of prayer, this spirit of receiving. Let's just sing these words as a continuation of our prayer today. Come Holy Spirit, come Spirit, come. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.